Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season four of the 100 Masked Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about masculinity, sex and relationships, and how that contributes to our self-worth. Continuing with this week's theme on vulnerability, masked man number 89 is the ashamed man. He shares a story about having HSV, or more commonly known as herpes, and how that has affected his romantic relationships. I really wanted to get into more of the physicality of our sexuality on this episode, and we uncovered so much guilt and shame. I mean, how many of you still make herpes jokes in the group chat? I really appreciate the vulnerability in this interview, from the guilt in giving HSV to a partner without telling her, to now making sure it is something he discusses straight away. I think it's a conversation we really need to dig into deeper. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show. quite recent after I got it. So I got it from like a one night stand from a woman who didn't tell me she had it. And that was it. And then I found something on my genitals. And then a week later, I'm in the doctor's office. He's like, you have genital herpes, you have HSV. Mm-hmm. And I cried on the spot. Cause I like, I had never even thought that it was gonna I, happen. Yeah. So I just started reading about it. And I was like, what is this? Blah, blah, blah took the medication which is vasiclovir and it went away in like five days and but I did kind of have this on and off like kind of spell with it and then I remember I was like seeing someone but we weren't monogamous at the time and then it happened and then I had to go tell her like within weeks that I now have this thing and she was immediately like I can't see you anymore like and that was like one blow to another blow this is how it's going to be from now on so how how old were you and what was your sexual activity like afterwards or what was it like before and then what did it turn into afterwards like steady I mean it's not hard for me to talk to women I guess I like sleep with women semi often now it's like a completely different dynamic just because I've wrestled with this I, I got it I guess five years ago so for a good three years I was what would be considered a very toxic human because I just couldn't I wasn't honest with myself so it was very hard to it was very hard to just kind of like be honest with someone else if I'm not honest with myself I didn't tell potential partners like it would be like a year I would, um, I would give it to others almost, almost knowingly, not completely knowingly, but like it did happen. And I get really upset, like thinking back on how I did that and what things I've done and how I treated women in my past, because there was like a three year span where I was like really kind of rejecting who I was. So it was. It was hard to be honest with other people. What, what happened was the turning point for me to get to a point where I could even have this discussion with you. I was with someone and I was like, I cared for them a lot and I was definitely maybe in love with them and I didn't tell them about it and I gave it to her and she, and she was pretty devastated and, and that was a major turning point of like, therapy, therapy, therapy of like who, like what are you doing? 
Yeah, that was really hard. How, how was that conversation? Did she discover it and then confront you about it? Or did you eventually tell her after a period of time? I told her before she knew she had it. But by then it was too late. Like we had been sleeping together for maybe a month or so. And then I knew I liked this person, so I told her. And then she checked, and then she had it. And it just felt like such a deep violation of trust that, like, I... That's what kind of, like, shook me to my core. And that's when I had to, like, kind of re... I had to start myself from zero. I, I from everything that I knew about relationship dynamics were just... I had to change, like, I had to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. So I started going to therapy and what became really hard to, I had to like find like <laughs> a sweet spot of dating someone of like telling, like when's the right first, you're not gonna go on a first date and then be like, hey, I have a HSP, hope you're cool with that. Which like maybe someone could respect, but nine times out of 10, you're just gonna scare someone. So I think there has to be some type of like second date or third date like we haven't had sex yet we fooled around now i'll be like hey so this is something i have it's not that serious because i take care of myself now i take the medication on a daily basis so i haven't had an outbreak in over a year which is quite nice <laughs> okay awesome um so but so now it's much easier for me to tell a potential partner hey, this is something that I take medication for on a daily basis. If we do this, this, and this, there should be no discernible difference between someone who doesn't have it and someone who does have it. And seven times out of ten, a woman will be like, okay, thank you for telling me. Yeah, um, cool. And I usually be like, hey, if like you want to go check with your doctor and like, I just want you to be totally comfortable with this. Uh, and then usually they'll come back and say, okay, but sometimes it does sting like I dated someone for a couple months recently and then she never got used to the idea of it. And then we eventually broke up and that, that stings. Mm. Yeah. I think that's interesting because sex is such a big part of a romantic relationship. And recently I've been very non-sexual, like removing sex from the whole dynamic of our getting to know each other stage where you can talk about those subjects, right? You can talk about like things that have happened to you and things that you have or, you know, why you might be uncomfortable about certain things. So has that been something that you might have incorporated in your recent relationships? Or like, how do you begin to have those conversations now? Like, does it happen over time? Does it happen when you guys decide this is going to be more of a serious thing? Because obviously I'm, I'm assuming that yeah, most of these relationships are not going to be casual one night stand things anymore. Yeah that definitely takes a backseat and it's been weird because I've had like I've had multiple therapists and multiple doctors I've had a therapist tell me that like it's okay for me to not tell a woman in a casual setting because I know I'm not going to give it to him and then like retrospectively that's not right that's not right because I'm not respecting their body and that what they how they want to be involved with me so it it's been like a really winding road kind of because there's like 
doctors have certain information and therapists have certain information and they're very coming from very different places whereas the doctor is going to give you information based on statistics and reactions and stuff like that and the therapist is going to come from what's going on in your heart and what's how it's affecting you mentally and it it's not been an easy straight path to kind of become someone who can be vulnerable about it and can tell a potential partner because I haven't I have yet to in the five years I've yet to meet a woman that I'll say hey I have HSV and she says me too which is strange because apparently one in six people have it so you'd think that I'd have that experience by now so it's always it's always a conversation of like this forced vulnerability which is hard it's not been uh, an easy path yeah well do you think that a lot of people just have it and just don't know about it since it's so common and you can't really trace it yeah i mean there's a lot of like apparently through the google searches that i've done <laughs> apparently a lot of people are asymptomatic so they're just carriers so they have it but they don't know they have it because they've never had a symptom. And then I'm, I'm not really sure how that works. If like an asymptomatic gives it to another person and now they have symptoms. I never spoke to the person that gave it to me again. So that was like super weird and super kind of like, yeah. Um, there's definitely a, quite a few people that probably don't know they have it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how was that like journey for you digging through all of the research? Like, did you, and what was the stigma like? Um, I know it could be difficult for someone that hasn't had it to be like, oh my God, I have to compromise this level of my comfort for this potential, right? So what was that discussion like? I mean, it's really hard to kind of um, speak to someone about it if you kind of think they're not going to have the right understanding to it and I try to be super patient but sometimes it's like how do you not know what this is like this is sexual health 101 how do you not know what HSV is if one in six people have it like everybody should know they just like I haven't said the word yet but it the symptom is herpes and that's what it is and I've had like that's how you know what it is because it's herpes but uh i take the medication and now i don't get now i don't have that so now and then when i'm telling a partner like this is what it is this is blah 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 and now they just think that you just walk around with herpes i'm like no that's not how it works so so then how does it work like if you are taking the medication you don't pass it if you don't have a, an outbreak which is herpes then you will not pass it on I can't say that with 100%. I'm not a doctor. Uh, in my experience, I've been with partners for uh, months where I, I did tell them about it from the beginning. I told them this is what it is. I told them to see their doctor and I didn't pass it to them because I was very strict on myself knowing if I was gonna have an outbreak or not, uh, taking my medication on a daily basis to prevent outbreak and I have not had a problem. From my own knowledge, I have not given it to someone since I had that last horrible experience with that person that I gave it to. 
because that was like a wake-up call, I guess you can say. Like it all should have been a wake-up call, but it was the wake-up call for me to kind of address the mental toll that HSV took on me, for sure. I think like there's going to be so much guilt that you sit with for something like that. I remember getting pregnant when I was in, in high school, and I feel like that would be something that that person would feel that guilt for, you know, of like knowing that he was the one that did it. So what was that feeling like for you? Because you, you were aware of what you were doing, and you're saying now that you maintain awareness of your condition, you're able to control it and make sure that it's safe when you're with someone else. That's exactly what it is. It was really horrible guilt. Yeah, it, the the guilt that I had for doing those things in like the first couple years of having it, it's it's almost a disgust for yourself. Like you're disgusted at yourself, and it's just this gross feeling of like someone like you get the text. It's like what like what ha- like her you get the text of someone being like what happened like what what did you do to me what do I have now it's it was so it's so devastating and I kind of I've apologized and I've really looked deep inside myself and never make those mistakes again so I'm I am a bit at at peace with those mistakes that I made because um, I tried as much as I possibly could to right the wrongs. I made some bad choices. Like when, when you give it to someone, they never want to hear from you again. So what's extending a hand gonna do? I did, but they obviously don't want it and I respect that. I've said sorry and I will never reach out to those people again because I know that they don't want to speak to me just like the person that gave it to me I don't want to speak to. But I felt, I felt terrible. All I know is that if I can go forward never doing those things again and being honest with potential partners and being safe and going forward with, I, I guess, like a hope that future partners will be more accepting, then I feel like I don't have to live with guilt because I did for a while. And now I'm just focused on just being better, being more honest. Yeah. Well, I think you've changed a lot in your approach. Before you were kind of just secretive about it, and then you started to be more vocal about it, which definitely helps with the transparency. So what is the stigma when you do bring it up? I think the the stigma revolves around the unknown. People don't know what it is. People know that herpes is maybe something you get on your genitals that sucks or like they don't, but they don't know exactly what it is or they don't know what HSV is or like how to contain it or they think like, well, what am I going to get like an outbreak every week or like it's just going to be there like all the time or like what's going on? Like those are some very basic questions. So I think the stigma just, the stigma stems from just not having a basic sexual education, not knowing what it is. And that started for me too. I, like when I got a, 
the doctor is looking at me like, you, you got herpes, like this is what it is. And I bawled, I think it was because like, I felt like, oh, I'm never gonna be loved. Mm. And I think that's the worst thing about it. There was a long time when I was like, if I'm honest with someone, they're never gonna love me. And I think that's why I was not honest for so long. And that's, that took years to change and switch in my mind. It still comes back sometimes when like, if I'll see someone for a certain amount of time and it doesn't work out, and I feel like I'm already bringing like 100 pounds of baggage to, a, to any fresh start. But I'm not gonna lie to them. I'm not gonna hide it. I will always enter a potential relationship telling them from like like before sex maybe like not on the first date as I said <laughs> but but I will tell them before the sex 100% that like this is just this yeah this is just how it is and most are very receptive to it now yeah yeah I think there isn't as much fear I mean the result is not as bad as we think it is it's just a part of like actually telling the truth that we don't want to do. So we just like kind of we squirm around it so that we don't tell the truth. And then we're imagining like what the blow up is going to be because you're like tacking on this lie after a lie after a lie. So now that you've been more honest, like how has that, has the stigma changed? Have they been more receptive? Like, do they ask more questions? Like what's been the process like? It's totally a spectrum. It's not black and white. I've definitely in the past, like let's say in the past, two years, any potential partner that I've had, I've told one and they were like, oh, okay, no problem. And that was the end of the conversation. We never spoke of it again. I had another partner, potential partner who said, um, well, I don't like, what is that? And I answered any questions she had. And I also told her, uh, if you're still not feeling comfortable, maybe go see like your gynecologist or your doctor or whoever, and they'll answer any questions for you. And, uh, gynecologists are not usually my friends they usually say stay away which kind of sucks mm. <laughs> they'll usually be like the last girl I was with the gynecologist was like if you get HSV it could seriously impair like your ability to have a child or get pregnant or something like that and she was terrified she and I was like oh my god like I understand that fear and I understand that, but like, so I'm what, what am I now? I'm like, I'm a leper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So those are the kind of like situations I found myself in where I like, I'll try, I just try going forward to just, just be honest and like, I'm in my early thirties and it's hard to Anybody who's single, is single in their early 30s, it's like, okay, I've, done, I've been in a couple relationships before. I've, done, I've been vulnerable. How many more times do I have to be, do I have to do this? And then tacking this on, there's a loss of hope sometimes, but I guess I'm a bit of a romantic. Mm. <laughs> so how important is sex in relationships for you, you know, given that you have this? situation like is it do you try to create more of an intimacy now or is it even more important because you want that acceptance 
for me, it's, it kind of sucks because I am a very sexual person. I don't think sex is, is like number one on the list, but I think like a connection, a genuine connection of like energy and spirit leads to better sex. And um, it's kind of weird. I can't like casual date like before. Like I can't just like, I'm not that I would, but I can't go to like a sex club or something like that. Or like I shouldn't and I haven't, but it, I guess like as someone who thinks that they're a little bit more sexual with a little bit higher of a sexual drive than the average person, I can't have those experiences. It's not the end of the world, but when it comes down to a relationship, it just comes down to um, honesty and like I want my partner to know that I will do everything in my power to just not not give it to her and that means taking my medication every day and checking myself and stuff like that and just being honest mm -hmm. i just think that's such a different mentality than a lot of other guys that only think about their own pleasure right because they don't have to consider the fact that there's a risk involved in that person opening up to you and actually that's the case for women every time so i think did that kind of wake you up a little bit more to the concept of like, it's a risk every time a woman opens her legs, you know, like mm -hmm. whether or not there's, you vocalize that you have a, a bigger or smaller condition, you know, like yeah, there's always I mean, a risk. I've definitely like, <laughs> I've definitely gone down on women a lot more because it's like, well, I probably shouldn't like go inside her today or tonight or like okay. something or like, I've definitely, uh, it's definitely led to more exploration without penis and vagina sex that's kind of happened before where like I've been with a potential partner and she's like well like I'm not sure yet about it but thank you for telling me can we do other things and then it leads to other things and that there's total satisfaction in in other pleasure mm -hmm. so it has definitely taught me a lot about cunnilingus <laughs> <laughs> is is there like um I don't know, a concept of like, you feel like more of a man when it is penis to vagina, because when I, I have just trauma with other relationships that I, I choose not to do penis into vagina sex for a while. Like I'll do all the, all the other things until then. And I think it's, I'm just one of those unique ones, I guess, fortunately for other women, because I don't want them to have my experiences, but like spooning, for example, like it's kind of rapey to me because it's just like, a, oh, wow. it's like a slip and slide from behind, you know, I just, uh, you know, so whereas some people would think that's just totally casual and like cuddly, but that freaks me out. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Like, is there a role of you being a man by being able to penetrate a woman, like using your penis? Like, is that like a thing that you define I've, yourself as no I've actually never thought of that I've never thought of I've never thought of masculinity within sex to be honest like performance no I've never I've never had the American psycho moment like in the in the mirror just flexing no I've never <laughs> I've never felt that I guess like if I think about it now like when I'm getting head I think feels pretty masculine for me sex is not about dominance it's not about dominance at all for me and i don't 
go well with women who want some type of dominance once it gets hair pulley and like choky i'm out i'm i don't want that like i don't like uh, i don't even like doing it like like maybe like if they if they're really getting off from it then maybe like sure i'd love for you to get off and i'll try it but like as soon as a girl goes to pull my hair like the moment's gone i'm already going limp <laughs> like it's really? so but yeah i don't like it at all it's not about dominance for me i i guess like it's more about, um, I don't know. That, that's a great question. I haven't thought about that. So then what would make you feel like a man in a relationship if it isn't about sex? What would make me feel like a man? It has less to do with sex and it has more to do with in public, like how you are in public. Like, let's say you're at a bar or something. I guess this goes back to just like, I used to be a very jealous person. I've worked on that for years since. But I, let's say you're in a bar and you're with your partner and you go up to someone else and then you're just like kind of maybe you haven't seen them in a while, you're catching up, blah, blah, blah. And instead of like your partner having to be like, oh, who's that? You just go up to your partner, give them a big hug and a kiss and you say, hey, that's like just a friend or blah, blah, blah. I, it, would, it would be small things like that that would make me feel like a lot better. And I, I don't know if I'm like at, like if that's asking for something or like if that's fine or if that's okay. But I think about that sometimes, I guess. Mm. I think that's like the affirmation that yeah. you're looking for, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of conditioned because when I was in Mexico for a while, I met a lot of friends and obviously they'd be male friends, female friends, whatever. And then they might invite me to other friend grouped situations. And if I'm invited by one friend that is a male friend, I would go in and like seek that person's attention, even though like we don't have a romantic situation. It's just, I just got used to that and creating an attachment. And I'd always keep looking back at him, hoping for him like to catch his eyes so that he would like acknowledge me. I'm like, but why? Like, it's a social thing. We don't know each other that well. Like I'm here just traveling with a bunch of other people traveling, but I still wanted that. So I think it's like a, a form of acceptance. But once you get to a level where you're in a relationship with someone, I don't think like you would need it unless there was something missing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess that adds to my, I guess, pile of issues. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely come like I. Previous to HSV, I definitely did have trust issues from past relationship traumas. I have like in a like a fear of abandonment for sure. I have like a fear that like, and and it just happened again to me recently where like, the HSV was a big factor in it. But like, she was like, oh, I think I'm falling in love with you just because we were having this great connection without having actual sex, and then one day she's like, oh, like I. Like it would been like three months and we hadn't had sex. And she's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And then it was it. And it was, it was just like that. And that just like opened a wound of just abandonment. And then I guess those things just kind of compound on each other. I, it's, it is a struggle to just try now. It is a struggle to just like, like, uh, I use dating apps on and off, but now I'm just like, no, like, what? What's the point? Mm -hmm. A first date sounds 
horrible. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say this. Like over three months, you're like meeting this girl. You get to know her. You don't have sex, so sex isn't really like the defining factor of your relationship. And yet, it breaks up because of a sexual thing, right? Which one's worse? If they just broke up with you without you having that, and they just broke up because of something else, you know, like because is of it very who different? I am as a person. Yeah, like because of who you are. Like, isn't that uh, worse? Like, or well, you, you know? can change. Who you are. I don't know. I, that's <laughs> you know like what I mean? no, it is a good question. But like, if someone was like, "Oh, I don't like you because like you do this," it's like, well, like. I could stop doing that maybe. But would like, you? I, it depends okay. on what it was. Like if someone's like, well, you're always like, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> like, like you should stop lying. And then be like, well, that would be a good thing to change. So maybe I will do that. But to say like, oh, you have HSV, I can't date you. And that's nothing that I can change about myself. It's still, it, it hurts a lot. Because... I don't know, you, I guess you think about like what the potential could have been if like this never happened or if I never had it. Mm. But yeah, I guess it's better to have the, have the perspective of like, it's better to be something that I can't change instead of something that I can't, I guess there's some mental gymnastics with that. Yeah, because the way I think about it, like when I'm in in conversations about relationships now I'm like I'm not having sex like penis to vagina sex like, I'll have other types of sex but I won't have that sex unless we're making a baby so I want that level of wow. commitment yeah and then people are like sure I'll try that and then they don't last obviously until three months right they'll probably be in and out maybe it's a conquest for them maybe whatever but they end up leaving because of that sex right and it's, it's more of the rejection of the sex so I don't know I don't know which one's worse which one's better but like the earlier you say it, you save yourself. And the faster they'll leave if they're not meant for you. So, you know, rather than being rejected, it's actually like a blessing in the sense that, like, they let you loose as quickly as they could. Yeah, I mean, I think the, it didn't work out for other reasons. But mm -hmm. the best reaction that someone ever said to me was like, oh, I have, I have HSV, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, give it to me. Really? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh... <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I, I'm not gonna do that, <laughs> but but we can proceed as normal. Um, so that happened, but it didn't work out for other reasons. But that's like kind of how it is every time. Like you never know. So that's hopeful for me mm -hmm. because, uh, but it's still it's still like every time there's a rejection, it does sting harder than the last one. Um, and that's kind of like why it's it it's a hard road. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that I'm at this stage now because I I am telling anybody that I get intimate with because for a long time I was horrible horrible person about it and and it ruined a lot of what could have been beautiful relationships mm. like doing this with you right now is like a, a checkpoint or like a chapter of me accepting like five years ago this would not happen the very idea of this no one knew that I had it mm -hmm. now a few of my best friends know but still like this is another part of it where like my oldest friends who you're most honest with and you're most jokey with they make herpes jokes 
not knowing that I have it. Mm-hmm. And I will never be able, like, I feel like I can't tell them because it's, first of all, they're my guy friends. They have no reason to know. I don't have a, a reason to tell them, if that makes any sense. Or like, I don't think like it would help my process. I don't know. I, I there's openly uh, people who have HIV and like there's celebrities that openly say, "Oh, I have HIV, I have AIDS, blah blah blah." There's no one that openly says, "I have HSV." Mm. Have you ever like? There's no celebrity, there's no spokesperson that would be like, "I have, I openly have HSV," and not that that matters that much, but it still shows you where the stigma is at. It, like people don't come open about it. People are, aren't open about HSV. Handful of best friends know it. Many potential partners know it who I hope they don't t- say to anybody, but I know some have. And I guess like for now, like my family doesn't know. It's mainly a secret. Would that be the next step for you where you tell people that you're not actually intimate with? Like it is just an open thing because yeah, like right now it's still half secret because you're only telling the people that it's relevant to, right? Which are like your closest friends and partners. But wouldn't you just say it all the time? And then it doesn't matter if you get intimate with that person or or they make a joke, like it's just what you are now. Yeah, I mean, I've thought about that. I've thought about being completely open about it and I don't, I don't know if I could handle shaking up my own life like that so much right now, because that's definitely what would happen. I think the first step would probably to be to tell my parents first, because they like, no parent wants to get a big news of their, their child without hearing it first. They'd probably understand more like, like why are you single? <laughs> like, because like, I get that every time I visit home. So that might help, but to be honest, I would like to get to a place one day where I can openly be someone who has HSV, but this is where I'm at in my journey and I'm, I'm not there yet. And who knows what would happen if I did? I don't know what would happen if I did. I feel like that's the part of the stigma. Mm-hmm. Part of the stigma is always assuming people are going to judge you or think you're dirty or think you're like, and then that translates to the person who has it thinking that they're not lovable. Like I know, like, since I'm in like certain industries that like to gossip, those things would make the rounds. Like no one wants other people talking about them. And I know that that would lead to that. And I guess that's my own personal thing that I have to overcome. But that's kind of like where I'm at with it. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of like if if you were open about it and you openly said it, then there's no gossip to be had because that's just what you carry all the time, right? Versus if you have to hide, it's the thing that's weighing you down of like, when do I reveal it? When do I share that with everyone, right? One thing that I noticed in speaking to a lot of men is they would hide being a father if they're oh. single, right? So they, they would hide that they had a kid and it was like impossible to find single fathers because they just didn't want to admit it that's a bit weird though because like you're gonna eventually it's gonna come out exactly but that's the same idea like in a a way simplistic form but yeah i guess i guess 
I don't know, like having a kid is not going to affect a woman's ability to have a child, though. That's a whole relationship, right? Like maybe she didn't know that you had like a kid and then yeah. you're, you're playing up this, this idea of you and then you're like, shit, I got to reveal the second house and the yeah. yada, yada, yada. So. Yeah, I, I would have to think about that more. I have never thought about that. But like having a child sounds much more beautiful than having <laughs> HSV. So I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but I can understand like I, one of my close friends, he has a, like a, his daughter's like six or seven now. So she's not like a toddler, but he would, he, he would never, his daughter's all over his profile mm-hmm. to take it back to HSV. Like if, if I said, Hey, this is something I have to like public. I wouldn't put it on like my Instagram profile, like <laughs> HSV, like ambassador or something like that. That's just like not who I am. So like, how would you even, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'd have to think about that, but I don't think I could, I don't think right now my brain correlates the two between having a kid and having HSV. Yeah. I think it was more just the, the, the secret aspect mm-hmm. of it, of just like hiding in and having a second life. And I don't know why that was just a thing. And if it's surprising to you, that means that guys don't hide it with other guys. They just hide it with girls that they think they will potentially be with. So I think that makes more sense. Yeah, with a kid, for sure. (laughs) With a kid. But as I said, I haven't told my best friends about, like my oldest, like dudes I went to high school with. They don't know. (laughs) It's just like you see the the herpes jokes in the group chat. And I'm just kind of like, hmm. Okay, yeah. And guys don't talk about shit together. Like, they don't talk about any of those things together. They don't talk about... The difference between sex talk with men and women is that if a woman has sex with another guy, she's going to go back to her girlfriends and say all the details. And the guy goes back to his guy friends and then be like, hey, you banged? And be like, yeah. And that's the end of the conversation. That's (laughs) it. That's it. That's, that's the difference. Like, there's a lack of um, vulnerability in male speak. One-on-one, it can be different. I definitely have vulnerable conversations with my male friends one-on-one. But a group of guys, you are not getting a vulnerable conversation out of a group of guys unless it has been consciously decided that that's what we're going to have. Male conversation does not slip into vulnerability, I feel like. It just stays where it's at. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's just like my friends, but that's, that's just the experience that I've had. Yeah. One-on-one for sure, but a group, good luck. <laughs> you try and it's shot down for yeah. sure. For okay. sure. So I want to wrap up with a couple of questions. How would you begin to create more or normalize vulnerable conversations more with a group of males by not shooting it down by like answering any questions seriously by um continuing the conversation i guess there's vulnerable conversation it should feel like we're talking about something serious but at the same time we shouldn't have it like we shouldn't be so serious about it it can be casual seriousness if that makes sense the topic can be serious but the energy can be still casual which I think is what's needed with male conversation. If it's serious conversation and serious energy, I, that leads to a lot of discomfort for men. 
and I don't think you're going to have progress in that. It has to feel like, like this is totally casual for us to talk about some this this kind of vulnerable, serious discussion or whatever it is. Do you have to like announce it? Because you kind of said like you have to kind of lay it out first so that they know that this this is what they're walking into or like how would you normalize it so that it's just like we're always going to like go in and out of natural um deep conversation and vulnerable conversation and back to casual i mean depends on the topic for sure like if a guy is just talking like about sex and whatnot and like if if something comes up i guess it's important to say it and not make it trivial and like there has been like a slight shift it's not huge or strong but I've definitely noticed in the past five years where men aren't talking maybe it's just I'm like in my 30s now and we're just older and more mature but men aren't talking as like grossly about women as I've definitely heard in the past and maybe that's just my gradual age, or maybe that's actually a shift in society. I'm not sure, but I guess like just reinforcing positive, like a dog, <laughs> like reinforcing positive behavior. If a guy is talking about something that's vulnerable to him, just kind of like going with it and be like, yeah, man, like totally like, like being, just reinforcing it. What are some topics that you would want to engage with? vulnerable topics with some of your male friends? Depression, expectations, societal expectations. I have some friends who are really depressed because they feel they should be somewhere and where they're not yet. And that, that, that has parts to do with the society where you are, especially living in a city. And that has to do with being a male and the idea of masculinity and providing and all those things. I have some friends that are so just depressed because like they don't own a house yet, like they're not where they want to be, and like we have other friends that are, so like comparing each other, and like I'm of the mind like, shit, if my career doesn't like go where I want it to in the next couple of years, I'm just gonna move to Nicaragua. Like I don't care. Like I don't, like everybody has their own track, and I think those are important conversations to have between men because. A lot of men feel a lot of pressure to be some type of like provider or those things. And it's super hard these days to have a leg up on anybody. Yeah. You guys don't talk about that? I don't know. Like, I feel like I get so many guys talk to me about that. So. Because men want want to talk to, men (laughs) do that to women. Men use women as like a therapist sometimes. (laughs) And it's ridiculous. A lot of men go to their women friends for the vulnerable conversations and they're not having them with other men. Mm. And I've been very conscious of that because I do have like a very even amount of women best friends and men best friends. And I totally am very conscious of not putting all those vulnerable conversations on my female friends because that's totally unfair because I know they're gonna listen and they're gonna support me and they're gonna be understanding and they're gonna be open and they're not gonna like make a flippant herpes joke. (laughs) So 
men are very much more comfortable going to a, a woman friend to have those conversations and that's something that has to change i'm definitely always cognizant of like wanting to i'll go to my male friends for those vulnerable conversations as well yeah so how does like a, a bromance get secured a, you know if, like yeah like when guys kind of like instantly connect like the, the bonding aspect of it because i feel like there's like a competitiveness and then you guys maybe fight and then you become friends or like there's like a resolution but if you're not talking about any of these vulnerable subjects uh, how does that how does that ever happen no that's some like alpha male shit that's like some okay. guys like the rams they just butt head and then they walk together hand in hand no that doesn't really <laughs> happen to that definitely happens to some like ultra alpha dudes okay that doesn't really happen to me. I just like if like my closest male friends are either friends that I've had forever since high school and some of my more recent close friends are just guys that I can sense that they have the same energy as me or like I guess because I'm a very good listener. So whenever a, a male I've sensed like male vulnerability come from another man, I'll foster it and I won't make a joke out of it or make it like one dimensional. My closest male friendships happen because like they've gone through something and they've been willing to come to me about it and I totally embrace them and I'm there for them. And that took vulnerability from them mm -hmm. because like they didn't just go to another woman and, and lay their problems on them. They came to another man, which doesn't happen often. And I always try and like be there for them. And I I know what you're saying. Like some some guys definitely need like butt heads, and then they make up, and then they become best friends. But that's never happened with me. Well, I I've, I've kind of become really good friends with this one guy recently, and it's because we're both very just like there's no alpha shit going on. We're just existing. It's just how it is. It's just whatever. I guess to your question is just about the way I do it is just always trying to just see it as just another human being, just whatever they need, just be honest with them. They'll, if they're vulnerable with you, foster that and take it as a point of pride that someone's willing to be vulnerable with you, that someone trusts you to open up and then you have to respect that. So if those are how your friendships normally are, why have you held back from telling them? It either hasn't genuinely come up okay. or sometimes it just feels like a strange thing to bring up with no context. Like, I guess I, I, you're right because there has been times where like my guy friend who's a close friend of mine, he'll be like, so why'd you guys like, with the girl that I was with for a couple months and he's like, oh, what, what happened? And I, co I couldn't tell him. Mm. I was just like, well, I don't know. She just wasn't into it anymore, I guess. Instead of being honest and being like, well, I told her I have HSV and she wasn't, she wasn't about it. And then there's always like this weird kind of like, what do you mean she wasn't into it? Like, what do you like? And I'm like hiding the truth. But I guess it's just a way of, it's just the stage that I'm at now. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. 
my last question is out of everything we talked about today is there anything that you would want to invite another man to elaborate on in another episode on the show I guess the how like male vulnerable conversation within male groups because I only can speak to the experience of my friends and I know like obviously there's many different cultures so like many different cultures I come from like a suburban white Ontario kind of like but I'd be curious to hear what like a more ethnic culture is like between like men talking vulnerable and what that's like okay mm-hmm. cool how was um how was this conversation <laughs> I've def- like you're definitely making me consider like speaking to my other close friends and telling them about it and I don't I maybe one day I'd love to be ready to just be open and honest about it in, in my everyday life and um, I'll get there mm. I'm just not there yet and it's just been my journey Wow, we're at the final 10. I really appreciated the openness from this episode, and I hope more of you reach out to me to share your story too. This has been a beautiful journey, and I'm so grateful for all the men that have shared the mic with me so far. Make sure to subscribe, and if you'd like to be on the show or know someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram, and I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Masked Men.